Good afternoon and welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Sally Jo Spaney. I'm the director of the Madison Senior Center and with me today is Laura Hunt, our fabulous program coordinator, oh. and Joy Schmidt. She is the dementia care specialist with the ADRC of Dane County and we'll be talking today about dementia and caregiving. Laura, what, what can you tell well, us about what you know about <laughs> dementia? Well, I know that dementia is um, more than just Alzheimer's, and that's what I'm hoping that you can explain to us today, Joy, because so many people, I think, think they're one and the same. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's um, a lot of people are confused by the terms that we use um, because we do use them interchangeably, um, going back between dementia and Alzheimer's. So. Um, Alzheimer's is a disease process that is the most common disease that causes the symptoms of dementia. Um, so dementia is basically just a general umbrella term, and um, Alzheimer's is one of the most common causes for, those, uh, for dementia. Dementia is basically a set of symptoms such as memory loss, um, changes in behavior, changes in personality. Um, those are the typical things that we start to see. Um, with somebody who has dementia. What are the numbers looking like these days for folks experiencing dementia and Alzheimer's? Um, so we currently have um, over 5 million Americans living with um, Alzheimer's or other types of dementia um, in our country. Um, here in Dane County we have about 7,000 people and they're expecting those numbers to at least double in the next 20 years. Um, so we're looking at numbers um, ranging around um, 114,000 um, in our, I'm sorry, currently we have 120,000 in the state, um, looking at about 14,000 here in the county. Are those growing numbers because of the baby boomers or is this disease becoming more prevalent? Um, good question, and um, I would say it's because we're living longer. So the Makes baby sense. boomers, you know, that does kind of um, definitely explain some of it. They're treating other diseases such as cancer, um, heart disease, and so we are living longer. Um, and there's, yeah, there's yeah. more older adults. Yeah. So age is the biggest risk factor for developing dementia. Mm -hmm. The longer we live, the more susceptible we are susceptible we are to these chronic diseases mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, Alzheimer's and other related dementias are certainly high on the list. Another factor is they are able to diagnose it um, better than they used to be. We're still um, not a hundred percent there with easy ways to diagnose Alzheimer's um, but it is better than it used to be. Is it possible to um, prevent or delay the onset of dementia? Um, yes, um, I guess I say yes, but there are sometimes we can do all the right things. Mm -hmm. There are some lifestyle factors that can help us reduce our risk for developing the disease and delay um, the onset of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, but some people can do all the right things and still develop the disease. So there's no guarantee, mm -hmm. but it definitely um, there's a lot we can do in terms of our lifestyle choices. Um, to be able to minimize um, our risk. So if I want to decrease my chances, um, what are some of the things I could do in my life to help that happen? Um, you could exercise. 
Um, that's a really important piece. So they're saying about 30 minutes of exercise um, a day that gets your heart rate up, gets your, your um, oxygen and blood flow um, going to the brain. So exercise is super important. Um, if you smoke, you could stop smoking. Um, limit your alcohol intake. Um, eat a healthy diet, which includes foods um, that are high in antioxidants, so those green leafy vegetables that we all love. Bright colored um, foods. Bright colored <laughs> foods. The Mediterranean diet, so olive oil is good for us. Um, fish. And then kind of limiting our processed sugars um, and our fats. Um, are there, is there any relation between um, brain exercise types of games or... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's something you hear a lot about. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, yeah, um, definitely that is a help um, to be able to do crossword puzzles and mm -hmm. Sudoku and challenge your brain. But what they're saying also is if we learn something new that really um, works new parts of our brain and increases um, the connections to, between the brain cells. Some of the um, research I recently read about healthy aging suggests that in order to age successfully, one of the things you can do is learn a new hobby every two years. Mm. Um, you know, there's all kinds yeah. of things we can do to help ourselves, like you say, eating right, exercising, learning new things. All those things happen at the Madison Senior Center on a daily basis, <laughs> and anybody can come and take part in that. Right. Yeah, and socialization, um, too, is a really yeah. key factor. Um, and sometimes as we retire, we have fewer connections with other people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love senior centers, and I love your senior center. Um, <laughs> but any opportunity to be social, that is actually doing a lot for your brain. But additionally, your Tai Chi programs, your exercise programs, um, those are using a combination of activities to help stimulate the brain. Mm -hmm. with, with all the... Um Increase in dementia that's expected, you know, in the long-term forecast. What kind of activities are going in throughout, going on throughout the community to prepare us for that? Um, so I think we're really doing a good job here um, in Dane County. There's always more to do, um, but I think what um, what we have been accomplishing um, is to increase awareness about dementia and um, hoping to decrease the stigma. Um, by, by just educating people about it, um, getting volunteers together um, to support their friends and neighbors living with dementia, and then um, educating our businesses to be dementia-friendly. So, What's that process like? If I have a business here in Madison and I'm concerned about um, my staff being a dementia-friendly staff or my storefront being mm -hmm. a place that people with dementia can come and feel comfortable, what's that education look like? Um, it's really quite simple. Um, we have lots of volunteers around the um, around the community who can come in and provide a 30-minute training for your staff. Um, we have the materials that we provide, and then once your staff, um, at least 50% or more of your staff, has been trained with this 30-minute um, training about what signs to look for, how to better communicate, and just empathy building, basically, um, then you can be recognized as a dementia-friendly business. You get a sticker to put up on your uh, window that says you're dementia-friendly. It looks a little bit like this on my shirt. Um, 
and then you get recognized for that, um, a certificate, etc. But it's really a, a win-win for businesses. It's a way to show their customers um, that they care in their community, um, but it's also a way to get more business. And that's part of a bigger project, right, about initiative called Dementia-Friendly Communities? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and this is an initiative, actually, that's worldwide, okay. um, and we have really... Um, embraced it here um, in our area. So if you'd like to get involved, um, you can connect with myself or with Laura. And we do have a dementia-friendly communities group downtown Madison that the Senior Center is pretty involved with, so right. that would be a great opportunity. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. And we have a breakfast coming up um, on November 12th at the Madison Library. Madison um, Senior Center. Oh, at the Senior Center. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. At the Madison Senior Center. So we encourage you to come and learn more. And what will be shared there? Um, there? The training will be offered, so we will be providing the training so um, businesses can come and, and get that training right then and there um, and get the information they need to take it back to the rest of their staff. Nice. And if business leaders, managers attend and like the training, they can invite volunteers to come to, directly to their business then mm -hmm. to train their frontline staff. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's a great initiative. I think that is more that we can do to make the community um, friendly towards everyone, but certainly um, folks with challenges is going to make life easier for the people experiencing those challenges and the people who are assisting them. Right. So I appreciate your efforts, Joy. Thank you. um, what new things are going on in the dementia world that you might like to share with us? Um, we were very excited just this week to be able to um, provide the education at the governor's mansion uh, for Mrs. Um, Mrs. Evers invited us to come, and so um, the governor's executive residence is now dementia friendly. So, awesome. um, so pretty excited about that. And again, just the ongoing collaborations with um, various communities. Middleton just celebrated their uh, five-year anniversary as a dementia-friendly community. And then, um, again, Madison is making some great progress. Um, along with the dementia-friendly um, initiatives, uh, frequently there's memory cafes, and there's a new memory cafe that's starting at Festival Foods um, right downtown. Tell us what a memory cafe is. Um, a memory cafe is a place for people to come together who are dealing with memory loss, um, maybe mild cognitive impairment, um, or any kind of memory challenges. And they come together and they do fun things, um, whether it's socializing, um, um, let's, crafts, activities, various things. But it's a safe place to come where... Um, Everybody understands, and um, it's a way to find resources, but then just to connect with other people and other caregivers. And I know we have quite a few memory cafes throughout our community. How would somebody find out about those and where they are and when they are? Sure. Um, so on our website, we do list um, under the dementia information. There's a whole list of memory cafes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are up to maybe 25 across Dane County. Um, so they're happening at libraries, at senior centers, mm -hmm. at restaurants, at, um, you know, just a variety, at grocery stores, <laughs> a variety of places. So they can um, either look there or they can call us at the ADRC and we can let them know. 
And is there a trained facilitator at each memory there cafe? There is, yeah. There is always going to be. So if someone was interested in becoming a facilitator for a memory cafe, mm -hmm. what path would they take? Um, they could contact us. We, we work uh, closely with the Alzheimer's Association and the Alzheimer's and Dementia Alliance um, to help provide the support that's needed. Um, but we've, um, while I've worked with uh, the, the county, we've had a number of new cafes start up um, across the county. So we do have a specific training that we can provide for volunteers. Um, and it's definitely a need and definitely um, uh, we have one that's happening in Cottage Grove that's run entirely by volunteers, mm -hmm. uh, retired folks. And yeah, super popular. So that one's known for its yummy snacks. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said that people could get more information about the memory cafes from your website. Website or for, by calling. Can you say what that website is? Sure. It's uh, org, And then they could also call 608-240-7400 and ask there for, those, for that information. Well, those are all good resources for people to have when they're mm -hmm. just learning about dementia mm -hmm. or looking for um, where to go for help. I think that um, the ADRC has a ton of information, and mm -hmm. so having you here today to share with us what you know about dementia and Alzheimer's has been very helpful. And I'm excited to hear about dementia-friendly communities and glad that Laura is involved in making downtown uh, dementia friendly. So we'll continue on that effort and we have discussed the possibility of um, beginning memory cafes at the Madison Senior Center, so we'll be continuing yes. to think about that. And I think the volunteer run ones are sometimes the best because um, of the investment on the on the level of the volunteers. Right. So we'll look yeah. into that. It's been so rewarding, I believe, for that for all of them. Um, and for the participants as well. Mm -hmm. One more plug for memory screens that we do offer across the community, and I know mm -hmm. we're uh, planning to offer those at the library. But if you have concerns about your memory um, or a loved one's memory, you can call the ADRC just to get a memory screen, or you can find one of these um, outreach memory screening opportunities in the community. Again, call our number to find out where. Wonderful. Thanks for being with us Thank today, you. Joy. It's Thanks been a real pleasure. Uh, we'll see you soon and return quickly for a segment on caregiving with Paul Braun.
Welcome back to Senior Beat. For our second segment, um, we'll be talking with Paul Braun, who has a lot of experience as a caregiver of a person with dementia. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for coming, Paul. Well, as we talked about in the first segment, um, dementia and Alzheimer's disease are running rampant through the country. And we know that um, as people age, that the vast majority want to stay at home for as long as they can, rather than enter, say, a skilled nursing facility. Um, what that means is that more likely than not, family members are providing caregiving in the home for their loved one. And that's a whole new occupation of sorts for people for which they're not paid or compensated in any way. And you've experienced that. Yeah, my wife was diagnosed with uh, early onset Alzheimer's and uh, when the realization hit us and we found out that we were going to be dealing with it, um, she wanted to be at home as long as she could be. I promised her that I would do that. And uh, I did. I took care of her for approximately five years, a little over five years at home. And I can tell you it's a very difficult journey. Um, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says to watch over, be responsible for. And in all due respect, that really doesn't begin to describe uh, the challenges that you face um, financially, emotionally, mentally, physically. Uh, you go through a roller coaster of emotions and those kind of things. And uh, the responsibilities connected with it are truly, truly enormous. Mm -hmm. So as you found yourself in this position, what are some of the tips you could give our viewers in terms of how to best manage your new life? Well, we can take it from a couple of areas. Uh, some of the challenges you're going to face, uh, you've got to be extremely flexible. Uh, you'll learn to be very patient. Uh, you become a helper, a planner, a decision maker. Uh, you need to be a good listener. Um, you need to be an advocate for that person. You need to make very difficult decisions. In fact, in some cases, they can be life decisions. And the problem with it is, in addition to all those things, um, caregivers have lives, too. Mm -hmm. um, they have responsibilities and families and jobs and things that they want to achieve in, your, in their lives. And sometimes those caregivers have to put that on hold for the good of uh, whoever they're taking care of. Mm -hmm. And so as you come to realize that as a caretaker, what can you do to help yourself stay at the top of your game? Because we all know if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to take care of others well. That's really one of the critical areas and, uh, quite frankly, the biggest mistake I made. And I don't know if it's a macho thing with guys or not, but I can do this myself. And that's the approach that I used for a while. And I would plead and beg with everybody, don't do that. You need help. You can't take on the sole responsibility of being a caregiver. What you need to do is you need to ask for help, uh, whether it's family, friends, and when you get involved with families, uh, when you ask for their help, um, you've got to accept the fact that there are going to be people within that family that maybe aren't caregivers for whatever reason. Maybe logistically they live a long ways away. Maybe their job prevents it. Maybe there are other issues in that particular family member. Not everybody is going to be involved in this uh, equally. But what you need to do is to find those family members um, that can help you out with that care, and then you need to develop a plan. And that's one of the key things about caregiving at home. If you get to the point that you can't handle all the responsibilities yourself, then you can look for an outside service to come in. 
And uh, of course, now you're involved with expenses, which are part of it. But even if you have a caregiver in your home, let's say four hours a day, and you do that for five days a week, that's 20 hours a week of care. But the problem you've got is the other 128 hours in the week when nobody else is going to be there. How are you going to fill those hours and the care needs of that individual? And that's where you need other people to come in and help you out with that. And that's pretty expensive, right? That probably those costs weren't covered by your insurance for bringing in people to help you with caring for your wife. Well, uh, a lot of people are under the the understanding that Medicare and Medicaid are uh, a big contributor Mm -hmm. to this. And Medicare does come into play and take care of some of the financial responsibilities. However, they do not cover custodial long-term care. It's not covered by Medicare. And when you talk about Medicaid, um, Medicaid comes into play when basically you have very limited assets anymore. When your resources are completely depleted, yeah. And what happens there is uh, in certain situations, not in all situations, but in certain situations, when you're on Medicaid, the type of care that you receive and the facilities where you receive that care could be somewhat limited. And that does become an issue. And uh, if you can't accomplish that or get it done at home, then you're faced with uh, the reality of maybe putting that loved one in a memory care facility. And that is also a very difficult thing to do. Very emotional, I would think. Well, I made the promise to my wife that I would never put her in a memory care facility. And I broke that promise. And one of the toughest days of my life is when I walked her into that facility and stood around for about 10 minutes and turned around and walked out. Uh, you can't imagine how difficult that is to do at that particular time. But it had to be done because what I realized after five or six years, um, what was happening to me, um, I wasn't able to provide the quality of care that I needed to give Karen. And so I had to make that decision. Not everybody would agree with that and that kind of thing. And I understand if you uh, take care of that person at home. But in my case, um, it kind of came down to um, I went to my general practitioner, and my wife had the same general practitioner, and he saw what was happening. And he said, I know your age, I know your medical history, I know Karen's, and I know her medical history. And I have a question for you. If you're not here, who's going to take care of Karen? And uh, so he could see what was happening. And uh, it does. It's it becomes urging a, you to take care of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about many of the roles that caregivers take on, decision makers, advocates, um, all of those. But in terms of the duties, I think it's important that people understand that because we love someone doesn't mean that we have what it takes to be their caregiver. Absolutely. Um, This involves medication management, bathing, Mm -hmm. dressing, um, food choices, food preparation, you know, sometimes feeding folks, um, transfers, all kinds of things that... Um, we may not be physically or mentally prepared to do. So I think your point about reaching out for help is very important. And we um, at the Senior Center have talked some about the importance of preparing to care and examining what we do know about dementia and Alzheimer's and the types of symptoms that a person could um, experience and how we can respond to that or not so that before you get buried by a burden of needs 
um, to start to think about and have the plan that you talked about um, by looking very closely at what's going to happen as this disease progresses mm -hmm. and how can I prepare for that. Mm -hmm. So learning all you can about dementia, looking at the resources that yeah. Joy talked about through the ADRC, um, reaching out to um, people who may have experienced it so that you can understand from their perspective what right. they've done. And I think that you do a good job of providing that for folks that come up to you after you do present on this important topic. Um, you know, the bottom line is, is that family caregivers provide unpaid care valued at $7 billion right. annually. And there's 578,000 family caregivers in Wisconsin right now. That's a lot of people providing in-home care. And one of the key things, whether you're involved with uh, the care of that loved one at home in terms of the family and caregiving, um, or if, if it's a decision where you're now going to move that loved one to a facility, as a family, there's a couple of key things that you've got to uh, consider and think about. And it should start with basically what are the needs of that particular individual? What would they like for their care? That's a critical part of it. Now, maybe it'll get to the point where their needs can't be met and you need to make uh, further adjustments and those kind of things. Then what the family needs to do is they all need to sit down together as a unit and try to understand and put together a game plan, if you will, of what the responsibilities are. What roles are the individuals in that family going to play in that, in that situation? How are they going to be involved? Some are going to be more involved than others. And just a couple of things. Um, and there are families where there's not going to be a unified feeling in terms of that. That's not a negative. It's just the reality of what it is and those kind of things. But people should understand that if there are people that are more involved with the care than others, just think about maybe you should think what's happening. What, what, maybe you're not up to speed on exactly all of the situations that are developing and those type of things. Communication is critical that everybody's on the same page and they know if they're involved with the care, what are your roles? What are your responsibilities? How are you going to fill those needs? Mm -hmm. And we have this preparing to care program coming up that I'm guessing would have been really helpful for you. Um, we, it's going to be in October on um, October, um, oh boy, let me check, 15th, 22nd, and 29th on Tuesdays. It's a free program for people who are going to be dealing with this program. And in week two, one of the things we're going to talk about is communication. And that sounds it's like critical. we're, you know, just a really important topic. Laying out whose responsibilities are what and understanding that from the get-go, I think, can really decrease conflict and negative feelings. We also, the third week, um, they're going to be discussing uh, finances and legal issues. So uh, coming to this class and, and understanding what are they and how can I prepare best? Because you're learning on the fly through this entire disease, not only about caregiving and those kind of things, but I had no idea. And there are legal issues that you have to deal with. There's the medical and the financial power of attorney, uh, the guardianship situation that I had to take over, and all of those legal sides of those issues that you don't even think about. There's so many other things that go into this. And, you know, I don't think I was alone. I think it's a lot of people that, unless you've been involved in this, 
I never paid any attention to Alzheimer's disease. Right. I wasn't a caregiver. Yeah, and all of a sudden it becomes part of your life and you go, now what? That's why this class I think will be so valuable because it will uh, help people know what to think about beforehand. Knowledge is power. Yeah, and sure. if you're in yeah. a situation that's stressful and you know ahead of time how to react or where to go for help or who's going to do what, all the things that we've talked about here today, it's going to decrease the stress level and the tension on that caregiver and the person with the uh, experiencing dementia. The Preparing to Care class is going to meet October 15th, 22nd, and 29th at the Madison Senior Center. It is a free program, um, but we do ask that you call to register for it. Our phone number is 266-6581. Paul, what parting uh, advice do you have for caregivers? What I learned, and for the next person it will probably be a little bit different, but I think in generally, um, accept the fact your life is going to change. There's absolutely no doubt about that. As you mentioned, learn as much about the disease and about caregiving as possible. Uh, be honest with yourself about what you're facing. Um, when Karen was first diagnosed, she was still working a little bit. There wasn't the major change. So you almost got that false sense of security that things are going to be all right. Call it denial or whatever. Don't do that. We did it. And uh, all it did is put me back in the planning process. Um, when you're talking about your family, make sure that every family member understands their role. Um, and I can tell you, skills, patience, commitment, they're going to be tested. Um, but the person's needs, in reality, become before your needs. Great. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you coming today to share your uh, story with us, Paul. Thank you very much. It was Thank a pleasure. You. Thanks. Yeah. See you next time.